You should have gone for the head. Welcome to Is It Really? The podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Brandon Sharp. I'm Zach Smith. Oh, man. And I'm Mitch Dupree. What happened to Zach? I don't know. He just disappeared. Oh, good. (laughs) And tonight we're suiting up and asking, is Thanos the greatest villain in the MCU? Mitch, why don't you get us started? All right. So you have Thanos, who's a purple alien, but he isn't fun like Barney the Dinosaur. He is a titan who desires to bring balance to the universe by wiping out half of it. And he makes many sacrifices to obtain this goal, and in the end, he succeeds. All right, guys, let's start off and discuss some of the other villains in the MCU. Who are the stinkers? <laughs> When I think about Stinker, I think about not only wasted potential, but a bad performance. And I thought about, I believe his name is Corey Stoll playing Darren Cross in Ant-Man, because I think that he has enormous potential. He just wants uh, Hank Pym to be a father figure to him. And we, as the audience, see that Pym is not a good father figure. So there's a lot to be explored there, but... The movie just kind of reduces him to diet Jeff Bridges in the first Iron Man. Plus, that guy's an amazing actor. Yeah. He's in House of Cards, and he's brilliant in that House of Cards, I was going to say. He is fantastic in House of Cards. He's also in uh, First Man. He's very good in that. Right, right, right. Well, I went through a couple. First one, obviously, that comes to my head is Malekith. And you might be saying, who? Just tell me one thing about him. Yeah. Can you tell me one thing? He kills Thor's mother, right? Does he? I can't remember anything about that movie. Thor takes his shirt off. Sounds like every other Thor movie. <laughs> but that's that's why it's not as offensive to me as my really least favorite villain, which is Ultron. And it's not because I think Ultron is the most flawed necessarily, but it's this like huge potential you had and then the reality that we got. You got James Spader in the mix. And the way it was marketed, mm-hmm. it looked like it was going to be this dark gritty i want to play a game right and instead it was more like i'm a real boy and (laughs) and that just was frustrating to me i remember when you and i saw that movie together mitch at the end you were trying so hard to convince yourself that you liked it you're like i I liked it i i liked a lot of the stuff with ultron and then i think a week later you were like okay no he's created by tony stark so i guess he's quippy yeah i don't understand that why didn't they have him be menacing i it's james spader I was promised a prime rib, and I got an Outback special. So, (laughs) super frustrating. Oh, I love Outback. I don't think I was as angry with Ultron as everyone else, as the general public. I think, like most of the MCU movies, I'm generally okay with a lot of stuff. But (laughs) you're right. Ultron does have a lot of potential, and he just falls short. It's like, he's just fine. He's fine. What about you, Brandon? You got a good villain you like? I like to bring up the Mandarin from Iron Man 3. Ooh. And Ooh. keep in mind, like, <laughs> Iron Man is my favorite Avenger. That's so I'm exactly, and I'm going to stick up for his movies 
quite a bit, but Iron Man 3 is pretty messy, but I can remember thinking and like kind of going into this movie, seeing a few trailers, thinking like, this looks good. And I was absolutely intrigued by kind of the real world terrorist style villain. I thought it could be a new direction, just something different. And then we find out that the person we thought was the villain is really just a drunk Brit. I was watching Iron Man 3 in the theater. I was like, you know, this has issues, but hey, at least Ben Kingsley's Mandarin works. At least this character is menacing. Right. He's scary. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, he's not. And that was like the (laughs) biggest letdown of the movie. I thought Guy Pierce's villain was whatever but like but like the the yeah the guy the from mama mia is really gonna <laughs> the villain that ben kingsley's could have been yeah was more interesting to me than guy pierce's villain another thing in that same vein is i i do briefly want to bring up mickey rourke in iron man 2 i know that his yes. character has a name but I'm going to keep calling him Mickey Rourke. This was <laughs> the first time when we kind of got into the Tony Stark does bad things. It's explored in Iron Man 1, but I was really intrigued by Mickey Rourke at the beginning of Iron Man 2. And then when he shows up on the racetrack, I'm like, this movie has been awful, but this is kind of cool. Then they apprehend him immediately. And then very similar with Iron Man 3. Then they get like some nerd <laughs> To be the bad guy. I was like, we had a good bad guy in Mickey Rourke. <laughs> I don't want this other guy. <laughs> Can you call him the oh, wrestler? No. <laughs> yes. Oh. It just doesn't feel like he tried at all. Like he just mumbles his way through. He's <laughs> he got a bird for some reason. He didn't even get in shape. The wrestler was sponsored by Bud Light in Iron Man 2. <laughs> all I remember thinking is, can we get this man some socks? Again. The only thing I remember is Mickey Rourke in that movie, and that's it. So why are so many of these villains underwhelming? Because it's Disney. Disney's brand is feel good. It's heroism. They're never going to be like super dark. Right. And also, I think to some extent, we are only seeing most of these villains once. Like if you think about the first Thor movie or the first Captain America movie, If you had only gotten those, I feel like you would think that those are two characters who are pretty underwhelming, but we've gotten to see them more and more, whereas these villains, a lot of times, are just a one and done. So I feel like there is kind of an unfair advantage. Sure. Also, just the sheer volume of Marvel movies, I think at some point you're going to get some, you know, some stinkers. You're not going to be able to hit a home run with every one. Yeah. The problem, though, is they're struggling to, like, get to base. I feel right. like it's not like they're hitting mostly homers. I'd say like 75% of their villains suck. Yeah, I'm okay. kind of on board with you on that. I think another big thing is like if you've heard the expression like of something being a camel, which is a horse made by a committee, right. all these villains feel like villains by committee who always have these vague reasons that they want to get the bad guy. You're never going to get Sam Raimi's Doc Ock slicing everyone open in that hospital. It's never going to be a singular director's vision. It's always going to be. How do we sell the most toys? And that means it's not enough of anything. Can't you make an argument, though, that that's what DC is experiencing right now? We're getting a lot of, or we got a lot of Zack Snyder vision when they flopped. It's complicated because is Lex Luthor in Batman v Superman a worse villain than most of the MCU characters? Yes, but you can name the reasons why he's bad. Whereas with 
you know, Marvel, it's just kind of like they're boring or they don't quite work. Whereas, like, at least there's character traits. Right. At least they're swinging. They're taking risks, which I respect. Like, a lot of people were really upset when they heard about the new Joker movie. I know we've been thinking about that this week Mm because of the new trailer. And I couldn't be more excited because at least they're trying something with this character. I think that's interesting, at least. It might stink, but that's more interesting to me than these movies by committee. That trailer turned me around on this movie. I mean, as much as trailers can. Trailers can be deceiving, though. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Man of Steel, one of the best trailers I've ever seen in my life. That was a great trailer. It is a fantastic trailer. Really stuck with me. And then that movie. What happened? Good I heavens. I will find him. Oh, find him. <laughs> I will find him. I'll find him. Oh, gosh. Do we feel like the MCU is restricted by the blueprint that the comic books have laid out? At all. Yeah, absolutely. Like the success a lot of the times is judged by how faithful an adaptation from the comics something is. And I, I just think that's super boring to me. I would be fine if they throw out as much as they want of these characters' comic book origins. Like Umbaku in the <laughs> comic is a character named Manape, yeah. and it is super racist and offensive. And Kugler found a way to make that interesting and not racist and offensive. Please do that more. I'm right. into that. And for me, like, I every time Doctor Strange would show up in, like, a Marvel comic that I'd be reading, I'd be like, get this guy out of here. <laughs> and I didn't care for the Doctor Strange movie, but when he showed up in Thor Ragnarok, I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I really enjoyed him in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. It's nice to finally have a foil for Tony Stark's I did hubris. Love that. Yeah. Absolutely. Finally another big head in the right. room who can contend with Get him. a little bit of that from Peter Quill also. You just Yeah. a bunch of big noggins bonking around there. Titan was like most planets. Too many mouths, not enough to go around. And when we faced extinction, I offered a solution. Genocide. But random, dispassionate, fair to rich and poor alike. They called me a madman. And what I predicted came to pass. Congratulations, you're a prophet. I'm a survivor. So at first I was curious why... They sent Strange out there to greet Thanos. I mean, to me, this has Tony Stark written all over it. That's the big He's the gun. big Avenger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, to me, this is his, this is tailor-made for Tony Stark. But then I realized, it really feels like, to me, they're dangling the time stone in front of Thanos. Kind of in an attempt to distract him. I mean, when Stark drops that monstrosity of an object on top of him, he's like, oh, you're you're not alone. So he is, in some ways kind of lulled into a false sense of security there. Right. And also, I think just at its core, he's strange is the one who understands the stones the most. So I feel like he's the most prepared and the most equipped for whatever Thanos might throw at him. Yeah. I don't feel like Thanos has to have sharp instincts or edges anymore. I don't think he's looking over his shoulder like, Oh, I wonder if this is a trap. Right. Right. He gets a planet dropped on him. He's fine. Right. Right. <laughs> when they're on nowhere and, you know, Drax hits the ground like a ton of bricks, he doesn't know what's out there, but he just kind of smiles. It is funny to me. That is something I did uh, take away from that was he 
doesn't care what's out there. It doesn't matter. Not anymore. It does dangle the carrot in front of the audience a, a lot. There are a couple moments in this movie where you, you think we might actually beat Thanos. Right. Thor chucking that axe into his chest at the end. You think, oh my gosh, you're so close. You got him. Did you guys think that that was it the first time you watched it? I did, yeah. Yeah, same. I was just like, <laughs> okay. For sure. For a split second. And what are they going to do with the second half of this movie? You know, right. part two is going to involve what? Part two, Thor cleans the blood off his axe and goes to <laughs> therapy about what he's done. <laughs> Directed by Taika Waititi. <laughs> well, back to that point, do you guys feel like Thanos maybe might be a little bit overpowered in this movie? And I don't mean that in the fanboy sense. I don't care about that. But I just mean there are very few moments where I do feel like anyone has even a remote chance at standing in his way. Well, two things. I would agree. I think that I also do kind of run into that issue a little bit with like Superman. When I was watching Smallville, for instance, every week he has a new superpower and I'm like, oh, well, now like he's less. I don't know. Now I feel like I'm just losing this character in a weird way. Now like, he really can't lose. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> but I do feel like with this movie, you see Thanos getting that fight with the Hulk in the beginning. Then he doesn't get into a legitimate fight until that battle on Titan. He sends his mm -hmm. kids to do his bidding for him. So I think it's we know how powerful he is. So the Avengers deal with his other cronies. I also think we've been building up to this for 10 years. <laughs> Marvel or Disney or whoever has to build this just gigantic immovable object that they can then turn around and have the Avengers move. Like it has to be something so big and out of control that it's worthy of a 10 year buildup. Right. That's the only way that everyone goes home and says, wow, this has been worth it. You know, like it has to right. be something huge. Right. And I don't think it would be as interesting a movie to just watch Thanos struggle to fight the Avengers for two and a half hours. You know what I mean? Right. And I think the thing that makes Thanos scary is you don't know what he's going to do. Like, you see, sometimes he just kills people at random, and sometimes he adopts children on the spot. Is he going to be a murderer here, or is he going to be generous, I guess, as he calls himself? Yeah, you guys notice that he refers to himself as God, like, a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I am giving out mercy. Right. What are you going to do when you're done? Rest. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Literally, like he just created the universe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On the seventh day, he's gonna rest. I'm like, all right, a little on the nose, Russo brothers. <laughs> well, fun fact: the screenwriters of this film they also wrote the Narnia movies. So, oh wow, I'm gonna start showing this in Sunday school. <laughs> That's a little fantastic. tidbit. So do you guys feel like Thanos has a point? He gives us that fantastic speech there about his home planet, things that have happened to him, personal experience. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I watched that scene and I'm like, here's a guy who did lose his home planet. However, the means to restore balance to the galaxy. No, no. And there's a lot of people who are like, Thanos deserves to win. And I think um no he, he does no he does not so i think that i think he has a point which i understand but i don't agree with the way that he goes about carrying out his plan and i also feel like if he is so bought into this idea that this is the only way to bring balance to the universe 
I feel like his life should be at risk then when he snaps his finger. Like, his life should be on the line, too. If he's a true believer, he needs to have skin in the game. It's almost like that isn't his true motivation, and he just wants to be God. Right. Which is how I read it. I, I That's exactly it's right. obviously, he just wants to be Jesus, except for yes. the part where he has to give up his life. But right. he does see himself as a savior of the world. Yeah, right. yeah. There's the there's the thing where he says, "I offered, you know, I offered my people a solution," and Strange just goes, "Genocide." Right. Because <laughs> because that's the thing. There's it's a just word like, for it. Yeah, it's like I want to save the world by killing half fifty percent. So it's just like, what what kind of life is worth living if you're taking away people's loved ones, people's family? You know, like it's a thing you're causing more emotional damage. Oh, we could wax poetic about how stupid this idea is forever. Man, no, it sucks. Half of our engineers and doctors and bankers and lawyers are all gone. Like, there's no logic to that. For me, too, this is just like the high school stoner's philosophy of like, (laughs) oh, you know what might be effective, is it? Yeah, it's... It's not giving up the one to save the hundred. It's giving up the hundred to save the one. It makes no sense. And if you're so smart, all knowing, all seeing, you're telling me there's not some type of reusable energy food source, something that you could come up with that that could fix these problems. The only solution is killing, killing 50% of the people. Bruce Almighty was literally more (laughs) creative than Thanos is with that glove. It's not a sustainable plan because you know what humanity, and I I haven't been to other planets, but I assume, you know what other species are really good at is reproducing. Yeah. Until the next uh, song by Genuine comes out and then the population is going to start booming all over again. Oh my goodness. So does Thanos live up to the hype? The hype before the movie came out? Absolutely. The hype that he's receiving now? No way. Absolutely oh. not. See, I think Marvel had an impossible task because since 2012, the post credit scene in the first Avengers movie, we've been told how important this character is going to be. And each sampling of his character was progressively more underwhelming to the point where like Ronin in Guardians of the Galaxy like steals the stone from him and you know what the almighty powerful thanos does he doesn't get out of his chair (laughs) like he's like you stole my stone (laughs) like i feel like well get out of the chair and like beat him up and take it from him come on thanos what are you doing like taking a nap come on so it's i think by the time that we get to this movie and he's so intimidating and brolin's performance is so good and he just has like some really great dialogue also. I think the fact that he works in the film and is a lot of people's favorite part, I would say definitely, I think he exceeds the hype. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I was thinking kind of the build up to the movie, you know, the trailers and just some of the stuff that we right. had been seeing. I think he absolutely lived up to the hype. And I'm going to reference that opening scene. This is where all of our greatest fears become a reality. There is someone more powerful than the Hulk, you know, because we've pretty much been living in this world where the if we have the Hulk, we're good. He can just eliminate any obstacle. And I feel like that real quick, that showdown was important for the movie 
And it was a good idea to have it up front. I think it just kind of took the wind out of everyone's sail. And I feel like that was something that needed to be addressed. Everyone's thinking going into this, we'll just get the Hulk on him. You know, we're good. Um, right. And I think they had to, I think they had to tackle that real quick. Yeah. Like think back to the first Avengers movie, the Hulk right. finally changing is the whirlwind of the third act. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. all right. It's finally beginning. And without even breaking a sweat, Thanos just brushes him aside. Let you know it's going to be a very different kind of movie. What I like about that is it puts into the water supply. Maybe the Avengers are killable. Right. Yeah. Maybe they can go away. We've seen Loki die a couple of times already. And right. so this one, when this happens, you just feel to me, it was heartbreaking. You just feel the yeah. weight of that. Yeah. And then when he says no resurrections this time. Right, right, yeah. So we actually believe maybe this is it. And there are some characters I think will stay dead. Right. I'm frustrated sure. because most of them will not. But sure. I think Loki may be one of them. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I love him, but I hope so. So I saw that movie, and then all of the buzz started happening. Like, they're going to bring everyone back. And all I could think about was, you mean to tell me that Marvel forced me to sit through that massacre <laughs> only to only to undo all of it. You know, like I was able to dra- drag myself out of that chair after all that was over and then they're going to just reverse everything. Right. It- yeah, that's why I I can't stand that aspect of this movie. It's like the last season of Lost mm. all over again. It was all a dream. They're going to come back to life. It's fine. Yeah. It better Ugh. be worth it in Endgame, however they do it. It better be worth it. You know what this reminds yeah. me of? Nick Cage's masterpiece next. Stop it. Okay. I will. I will stop. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even have to do? <laughs> you just want to the drop guy can like see into the five minutes into the future and be like, oh, uh, that's what okay, happens. So Nick, it, that, Nick Cage is going to be in the end. Yeah. We don't I, need to talk about I, that. I think actually <laughs> while we're on hype, can I say something else i think sure in a post thanos marvel they're gonna have a very hard time finding a comparable villain like the scrolls in captain marvel i enjoyed but they're not thanos you know and i'm sure jake gyllenhaal is gonna be great in spider-man home away from home or whatever that movie's called but far from home far from home yeah fly away home i think you know he's not going to be thanos uh i agree but do you want them all to be thanos i don't we have dealt with this problem already we had iron man one iron man two we had the first avengers movie and then like after that we were like are we just going to get single hero movies now? Everyone was like, I don't know that I can watch that. But we did, and we saw great stuff again. And That's true. But we also ran into the problem after Avengers of, hey, a big blue light in the sky. What if we do this over and over again? Right. Yeah. No, so I, mean, I don't want more Thanos. Just right. Thanos was great. Be done with that now. I think there's been so much buildup for Thanos that post-Endgame, we're not going to get that build up again. And these are just going to become singular nothing movies, which maybe will be good because it'll feel less like a big TV show, which I love. I love that. I love all look, I love these movies. I go see them all, but I, you know, it's a thing. Now are we going to get better standalone films or are they going to try to build up to something else, which I feel whatever they're going to try to build up to next isn't going to be as good. What well, can I tell you what I think they need to do? The, they need to pull the trigger and end game 
and actually eliminate one or two of its main cast. And what's going to give the MCU the breath of fresh air is starting to integrate some of those new characters like Black mm-hmm. Panther mm-hmm. and Captain Marvel and make them the new Avengers. That right. And I think they will. I think they will, too. I think the big thing is we've already seen half the universe get wiped out. Where do you go from there? I knew that they wouldn't, but I almost thought, like, what if Endgame was literally the end of the MCU? But, I mean, of course they're not. These movies make billions of dollars, and, you know, we've already seen the trailer for Fly Away Home, so... I've come to peace with it. They're going to make these movies until long after I'm dead. But (laughs) as long as they can be okay with killing off some of their main characters like Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and replacing them with, uh, because that's the thing, the Marvel universe is huge. There's like 80 people who have been the Iron Man and there's like 80 people who have been Captain America. Choose one of the other 80. It's fine. If Thanos is not the best Marvel villain, who is? I'm not going to say he's the best, but there is one who I really, really was impressed with, um, even though he does run into issues, and that's Ego from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, yeah. Because one of my favorite moments is I loved how he kind of seems like a good dad, even though once he shows up, you're like, oh, he's the bad guy. But you see that he's just like Star-Lord, who you love. They're so similar. And one of my favorite moments is when he tells Peter that he killed his mom because it wasn't a moment of just, yes, Peter, I killed your mom. He brings it up just like, you know, yeah, I wanted power and that's why it killed me to put that tumor in her head. It's like he's he's being himself like he's so deluded Mm -hmm. that like Mm -hmm. he thinks like that Peter's going to be like, yeah, I, I understand why that'd be frustrating. And then, I mean, the movie slides into him turning into that all-powerful villain, and it's not as interesting. But I loved the the build-up to that moment of him. Basically, you see, oh, if Peter Quill goes bad, this is exactly what he's capable of. Something that I love about the character that you brought up uh, is the relationship between Quill and his father. Right. And I think sometimes we get confused by, like, the greater the external stakes, then the more interesting the character somehow. Like, Ego is a cosmic villain in the same way that Thanos is. The scale that he can cause destruction is is similar. But what Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is really concerned about is the internal conflict of Peter gaining a father and losing a father, and then gaining a father again. That hits you like a 10-pound sack in a way that most villains do not in these Marvel movies. So I really enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Mm-hmm. Well, Loki is by far my favorite villain in the MCU. And I think the main reason why is he's complicated. He's hard mm. to figure out. You never quite know what he's going to do. Every single time he lets Thor down, like right before that, there's a split second of hope. This time he'll do the right thing. And the very last time this happens, he finally, you know, he finally dies trying to do the right thing. And mm. that's a knife in the heart for me. And I think he really kind of leaves the MCU more of a anti-hero than a full-fledged villain. Um, right. We've seen him right. do some dark things, um, but we've seen him do a lot of good things. And there's just a lot of there's a lot of ups and downs with Loki. And I think that's why I like him so much. And we've had more time to kind of deal with him. There's been more story there. He has more of an arc. So right. I just think he is just a just the best villain in the MCU. 
Exactly. What I like about him the most is he's just so relatable. Like right. what he just kind of wants attention. I feel like right. and he wants his his father's approval. He's the younger brother. Yeah. Right. So and, right, and also in that vein of getting to spend more time with him, I thought Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger was fantastic. I definitely feel like he kind of stole the show in Black Panther. He was just. I, I do feel they underused him. I felt like there were a bunch of scenes with Claw where I was like, this could have been... Replaced with, with Killmonger, the right. more interesting villain. That chase scene would have been way cooler with Killmonger. I'm just going to say that. But but I think that he was a villain who was kind of worth keeping around because I felt like when Black Panther finally defeated him, the actual defeat was a little underwhelming. and. Mm-hmm. I think of the scene in Infinity War when he runs into when he meets him Mbako on the field and calls him brother. Yeah. And I was like, that's such a that's such a beautiful scene. What if we could have taken Killmonger on a journey to get him to that point? I'm not saying by Infinity War, but if we had kept Killmonger around and kind of just kept building that character somehow, like I'm not saying it would have been easy. I think it would have been a challenge, but I think those filmmakers would have been up for it. I felt like his character there was was so rich and there was so much to be explored which is which is fantastic fantastic stuff i just felt like there was more and we saw that with winter soldier you know big payoff there we actually saw that a little bit with mbaku uh, in black panther you know so we've yeah. seen that and it has worked really well for them so it is interesting I just wouldn't be surprised if Michael B. Jordan comes back. I mean, just right. it's a Marvel movie. So just because they put him out of his misery doesn't mean he's going to be gone forever. Right. Um, a couple of things I enjoy about his character is he's a product of the harshness of his environment. But I think he's also a product of contradictions. Like he's seeking peace, but it's through a means of war. And he's an outsider, even though he's the rightful heir to the throne as much as T'Challa is. And I think that idea of being at home, but not at home, I think it's really interesting that he's forced to grow up in a foreign land. That's him in the voiceover at the beginning of the movie when he goes, tell me about our home. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because, I mean, why would, you know, T'Challa ask his dad, hey, tell me about our home, which I see every single day. And a, a big, like indicator of that is i love the way he speaks that dialogue like uh, first of all it's fun and memorable like hey auntie that's <laughs> that makes for great internet fodder but right. it's it's also uh, a huge way to juxtapose him with the wakandans right right where he's just as much one of them but he could not stick out more right the ancestral right. plane scene where you have you know the minute t'challa sees his dad he gets emotional and then when killmonger gets there and his his dad says no tears for me and he goes people die every day oh my gosh that hits me so hard you understand immediately oh this is why he is the way he is right i i understand it i sympathize with it i even empathize with it i can understand becoming that way anyone else for zemo personally i love zemo it's it's a pass for me all right here's my thing about zemo zemo i think is in some ways, a tighter version of Thanos. Like okay. they, they both succeed at what they're trying to do. I think, I think what I prefer about Zemo is his actions have consequences that I don't think Thanos's will end up uh, having when everything shakes out. Like Zemo's uh, civil war plot leads to the Avengers breaking up. Yeah. To uh, you know what I mean? There's real consequences that have reverberated over the past couple movies. And I do fear that after 
end game. Everyone's going to come back. Uh, and there may be a death or two. So I, I hope that those deaths will mean a change in the direction for the MCU. But I'm nervous it is going to be kind of a more of the same kind of scenario. So so he gets overshadowed for me. I think about the big showdown with with Iron Man and, and Captain America. But you're exactly right. He, that That is what he wanted. He doesn't want to be seen, heard. He just mm-hmm. kind of wants to silently slip around and and wreak havoc on on the adventures. Right. And that final scene that he has with Black Panther, I I honestly mm-hmm. right before he, when he tries to commit suicide. Right. I I do feel like he's gone through this arc and I just I want to weep for him cuz the movie's framed by it begins with this scene where the woman comes up to Tony Stark and says, "My son is dead and I blame you." And it's because of what you did in Sokovia. And we come to find out that that's what happened to Zemo's family. Yeah. So I really do feel connected to his journey right. of why he wants to do what he's doing. And by the end, I, it's not that I am joyful or anything, but I do feel a sense of almost release because I'm like, well, he, he did accomplish it. I don't know if he's ever going to find what he's looking for. And that makes me feel like a monster for saying that. But and I just can I feel connected to him in a way that I don't sure. necessarily feel connected to Thanos. Is Thanos the greatest Marvel villain? Thanos is definitely a great villain. He's big, powerful, seemingly unbeatable. As a viewer, he fills the screen in a vast and glorious manner. And he's ruthless. He literally pulls the plug on 50% of the population without batting an eye. But the question is, is he the greatest? And to me, he's not. Infinity War strings together a series of scenes that attempt to elicit a connection with Thanos, and after all that, I still feel he lacks the heart and range that other villains in the MCU possess. Is Thanos the greatest villain of the MCU? Well, Marvel promised us a fantastic villain, and for years, Marvel was promising us that Thanos was going to be the ultimate villain, and somehow, they delivered. Thanos is a very interesting character, and he's the most interesting character in the movie Infinity War, and that's a film that's filled with every superhero that you love. Roland's performance, the writing, the look, and everything about this character makes him not only Marvel's greatest villain, but possibly one of film's all-time greats. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers. Thanos has exposition. I'm told over and over again what he wants, believes, and cares about, but none of his scenes in Infinity War suggests he's anything more than capricious or evil or power-hungry. Thanos, we're told, genuinely loves Gamora five minutes after the scene where he's literally ripping his other daughter apart. His supposed love is revealed in a twist, but it's never convincingly shown to me at any point before this. So I feel like the writers are trying to build the plane midair, which makes for a great improv and terrible drama. I haven't been able to pin down who Thanos is, so it's hard for me to feel sympathy for him. This movie had the gall to put in a scene where little ghost Gamora asks, what did it cost? And he responds, everything. Are you kidding me? 
Is there any indication he gave a crap about any of the Black Order? Captain America gave up unit, core, god, and country in Winter Soldier. I'm not saying Thanos didn't suffer and sacrifice, but he's never required to give up anything essential to who he is. He's never pushed to question his actions, change, or grow. I don't have to agree with Thanos' motivations, but I do have to understand them. Well, recording this was a snap. Guys? Uh-oh. Oh man, I can't believe I just snapped my two friends out of existence. Well, thank you for joining us for our discussion on Marvel's variety of villains. If you want Mitch and Brandon to come back though, why don't you like us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram? We can be found at the Is It Really podcast. And you should give us your opinion. We would love to know how you feel about our episodes and any weird movie opinions you may have. And don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. Do you want Mitch and Brandon to come back? This is what you have to do. And the last thing that you have to do to save their lives, please give us a rating and a review. We'll see you next time, hopefully.